It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. We're not ready. The show's interrupting our conversation off the air. Yeah. Oh, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Having a good conversation. All yeah. right, so I, I'm not. I really don't want to go into the story. I mean, we we may cover it more, you know, when we talk about education and stuff like that. But as uh, we were, you know, getting ready to uh, come on, besides our conversation, I was also looking at this story in the Wall Street Journal on. Uh, uh, let me get the schools are ditching homework deadlines in favor of equitable grading, and I just I just laughed out loud at this first, yeah, paragraph. Okay, all right. Las Vegas high school teacher Laura Jean Penrod initially thought the grading changes at her school district made sense. Under the overhaul, under the overhaul, students were given more chances to prove that they had mastered a subject without being held to arbitrary deadlines mm. in recognition of the challenges some students have outside school. Because and so arbitrary deadlines was bad. Right. Soon after the system was introduced, however, Ms. Penrod said her eleventh grade honor students realized the new rules minimized the importance of homework to their final grades, mm. leading many to forego the brainstorming and rough drafts required ahead of writing a <laughs> persuasive essay. Some didn't turn in the essay at all, knowing that they could redo it later. They're relying on children having intrinsic motivation, and that is the furthest thing from the truth with this age group. (laughs) (laughs) And they go on to the number of states using equitable grading. And then I this all related to the story I saw was at West Virginia University Mm now Mm -hmm. uh, drops SAT and ACT admissions requirements to reduce stress of some college application in the college application process. Well, then why not just hand them a diploma? I mean, what's not stressful in the entire process? Everything is stressful as you go through it. So just hand them a diploma. And and why is it? Why do we do these things to, to children? Is because we wish to teach them how to handle pressure slowly as children so they can handle pressure and they can handle the stress that comes with deadlines when they get older and get into the real world. You should be nervous before a test. You should be nervous during the process. You should be nervous because it is your body and your mind preparing you. And you either respond respond in a, a couple of different ways. Either you understand what's at stake and what's expected of you and you live up to it by preparing properly, or you ditch it and walk away. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the other day that uh, we were talking about degrees, and I said I had a degree. And I've been asked before, people said, well, what was the biggest benefit of you getting a college degree in the last couple of years, especially with everything that has gone on? Mm -hmm. And I said, in real world terms, what was the benefit of college for me? Organizing my time. Yeah. And that's because I worked two jobs and went to school because I didn't want debt. So I never stopped. 
Yeah. And I had to organize in order to succeed at all of them. It was a lot of organization in my head, a lot of planning, a lot of, okay, I got a busy day. I've got to get all of this done. And where the, where the stress part of it became normal, you know, we've talked about this before that, that, and this is a negative in, in some arenas, but the biggest motivator I ever had that truly motivated me to actually accomplish things was fear. Yeah. Fear has been my greatest motivator. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that comes close to it. And climbing those mountains, which is the mountain is fear. Yeah. Can I, can I do it? I don't know if I can do it. It's really hard to do it. And I think probably from my parents, I got the mindset, don't worry about it, just do it. Just do, Don't worry about the fear of what the challenge is, just do the work. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And after repetition of doing it many times, and that's what you do, that's what we teach kids, that's why you go through First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. All of it is basically you're learning more, but there's the repetition of learning and organizing your mind also that comes with it. And the repetition of doing it each and every day. So when you hopefully get to be an adult, you have handled a significant number of stresses where it's pretty seamless going into the workforce. But, But we have seen where... There was a story written last week uh, about, was it one in five or one in four young people in their 20s are getting fired because the companies go, their mindset as to what they expect out of a workplace is completely delusional. Right. But but also the problem of sending them off into the world with this inability to learn and yeah. the lack of a process. And during that time when you're nervous and you're saying, oh, my gosh, the test is tomorrow. And you often lose sleep. A lot of people don't sleep the night before. You know, the stories are legendary. I was up all night cramming. Kamala and I smoked weed before we studied, <laughs> and I don't remember a thing. And now I talk in circles. I'm freaking out. <laughs> and she's over there talking in circles. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, you're going to have to listen to the podcast today. And so <laughs> you really are. And and so you you build that. Um, Brian Regan. Oh, man, he had a great quote. It was in an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And he talked about the butter, the butterflies. And he's, he basically was saying, and I wish I had the quote because it's it's really unfair. Uh, I'll find it and, and and we'll reintroduce it later. But um, uh, the butterflies are there to prepare you. That was the the sentiment, and and Seinfeld was like, "Man, I like that." And that was actually the last, you know, as the as the credits were fading, that mm-hmm. was pretty much the last thing said on that episode. And I was like, "No, that's that's actually genius," and and it is true because I've often thought about that. And I remember one of my children uh, when they were in high school, and I remember going into the room, 
I could hear, you know, something, and I was like, hey, everything okay? And they were really nervous, and, and I said, hey, okay, you can do this. You've already proven you can do this. So what do you want? First of all, do you want a snack? Do you want something to eat? Let's create the environment. What do you want? Do we need a lamp in here? Where would you like to sit? What What do you want to snack on? I'll go to the store. I'll get name anything. I'll. What I was doing, what I was attempting to do, is help build a process, right? And I have to do this. This the way my my brain works is is that all right? What do I need? Uh, yesterday, a project. It was last minute, but it had to be done because we thought. Uh, the severe weather was coming in, and with this particular project needed to be completed, really. It was kind of a do or die. And so my wife texted me these steps in the, in, in the pro. I got nervous. I was like, oh. Uh, I had everything. It wouldn't be the end of the world if I didn't complete the project. But 30 minutes later, I'm out there in the pouring rain, and I completed the project. But I, I thought to myself, why am I nervous about this? And it was, well, I want to get it right because of all the work that had been put into this up till now that if I didn't just go through the process, the simple process of completing this, mm-hmm. then it was at all the work put into it up until now, mostly hers, basically, all hers up until that point, was going to be for naught. And, well, I, and, and it, it made me nervous. And these are the things that you go through in life. But if you don't have that, and you're not used to that, then you you are going to be a 25-year-old in the unemployment line well, the, because you won't know how to learn. The, the fear of the nervousness, whatever, is what prepares you. I mean, as, as you talked about before, the comedian's talking about it. The, 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 the fear creates the fact that you have to you – know, the, the fear creates the process. Yes. I mean, if you're organized, okay, there's a fear there, but i got to ignore the fear. I've got to have the process to, to finish it. I know that in to use a – this, the school equivalency, as they're using here, that they talk about the fact that, no, we don't need to hold them to arbitrary deadlines because, you know, there's challenges that, that uh, uh, kids have outside school. Nobody cared that I had two jobs. Nobody in school cared right. that I had two right. jobs. That was – I had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's – and I decided to do that because, well, number one, the one job was fun, the club DJ, but the other job was was also – I mean, that was also a huge thing for me because I worked at a bank and it was great. And and I like that. I like the status that came with it, and I earned good money, and you know I could pay off my my debt. But I also had it. I also knew that I had to do good in school. I remember taking a calculus course. We would be in there whenever the library opened at six a.m. in the morning. We were there. We had a study group every single day, and the midterm came. I'll never forget in the one calculus course, and I got an F, and the guy I was doing it with got a D minus. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, in the midterms and it's like this, I, I've got to get this to get through my first year. I have to get in the calculus. I mean, it's just, eh. you talk about they, in college. I go, well, I went to college. And I did mind expanding drugs. <laughs> I did calculus mm-hmm. because that takes your mind to areas where your mind is just not used to going to. It's tough to do. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we were going to fail. We really did. And when the time came, I'll never forget how nervous I was going up to look at the grade, you know, outside the teacher's office, the grades are posted and we go there. I have a B plus he get my, the guy did the study group with, he gets an A minus and mm-hmm. we're absolutely shocked. We're like, how can it go from an F in the midterm? It didn't seem like we did much better on the test. And the teachers are smiling, goes, 
eh, I did it on a curve. He said, I actually made it a lot harder. So you even learn more than the curriculum that you were supposed to for Calculus 1. Right. And so he did the complete opposite. I was never so proud of a B-plus in my life, ever. Yeah. And it all was because I knew I earned it. And because of the entire process I had to go through of the fear and the nervousness and everything else of failure and seeing that teacher smile, it's embedded in my mind. It's one of the, I look at that as one of my greatest accomplishments because calculus was so incredibly hard for mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. and my greatest accomplishments in school. Mm-hmm. It was just a B plus, but it meant the world to me at that point. And that's the thing. If it's not work and it's ah, whatever, whatever you get is fine or whatever. No, I, the intensity is what made the victory greater. Yeah. Right. And what they're saying is the intensity and the fear is bad and I'm like every fiber of my being from my experience says, no, that's what you eventually have to go through. So you need to start testing kids and young adults on that early on. They need to understand there is pressure. Yeah. And there are deadlines. And what you have to do is you have to climb those. You have to challenge them. And then you get to the point in your life where it's like you still want to prepare, but that fear is really gone. It's like, well, no, my whole life always changes. So, I mean, change is a part of life. And you become used to it. And that's where you want to get to ultimately as an adult. Right. So you don't crash when the major challenges come in life. Well, and, you know, I've, I've had, uh, and we probably have all had, teachers that had a different approach. And they understand. But what they teach you to do is to utilize that nervous feeling, you know, to use that, to overprepare. Um, I talk about Coach Valdez, who suggested maybe I try out for band and not football, <laughs> as uh, the man who became the wrestler, Shawn Michaels, was lapping everybody on the track, and I ended up being a musician. Um, but in class, Coach Valdez would often bring his guitar or play music, Boss Gag's greatest hits, usually. And during tests, he wanted to create this environment, basically, that was, all right, you know this, we've been through all this, relax, and just do the test. Now, I don't know if it worked for everybody, but I do know remembering how I felt in that class and also learning that this isn't about handing you anything. You're going to have to pass the test, but it's how you're going to approach it. So it's not just about using those butterflies or that nervous energy. It's about understanding it, why it exists, and also helping to mitigate the energy to begin with. So that then beyond that, you can, you know, in the case of your teacher, well, those kids were all learning something a little more. They were going above and beyond. He created that curve. Well, once you start to understand that, uh, if you're curious at a very young age, that means you're likely going to be pretty curious about things as you grow older. 
and you create, instead of the nervous energy, you're creating a drive that leads to great minds. And we're going to do away with that now. Let's not make them nervous or scared. Why require them to be there at all? 86690 Red Eye. It's part of the preparation to combat wildfires this season. U.S. Forest Service Chief Randy Moore updating House Natural Resources Subcommittee members on Wednesday. This past January, we announced investments of $930 million in 21 high-risk landscapes in the West, benefiting roughly 200 communities and many other resources that people value. In addition, we've awarded nearly $200 million in community wildfire defense grants toward 100 projects to 22 states and seven tribes. The chief added, All of our work to reduce wildfire risk become increasingly important in the face of another upcoming busy western fire season. And he says, in addition to Forest Service firefighting personnel and equipment at the ready for the upcoming wildfire season, we will fully engage with state, local, and tribal partners ready to respond with us. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. All right. Uh, new poll, Fox News poll across the board. Voters say economy getting worse for them. Hmm. In January of 2020, all right, 55% of Americans thought the economy was good, 44% only fair or poor. By the time you got a year later, December of 2020, well, 11 months later, 33% the economy excellent or good, 66% only fair or poor. By the time we got to March of 2023, 23% good, 77% uh, uh, only fair or poor. Now, 21% uh, say it's excellent or good, 78% only fair or poor. Wow. That's a tough sell for any well, president. What, what you see happening is uh, what uh, analysts have been talking about. Jamie Dimon from uh, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase talked about the dwindling savings. Any savings that was left from people would be gone by this summer. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing that. They're seeing those, those savings go away. But you also see the accelerated rate of auto loan delinquencies. Yeah. Uh, which is oh. also coupled with the increase in the cost of automobiles. You you did uh, preface that at the start of the show. I want yeah. to give. I want some of the figures of that that All you right. had coming. Good. Up. We'll talk more about that coming up. Threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 of Red Eye. You know, you would mention it to me at the beginning of the show, and we just got into so many other topics out there, but you had seen the research that was done on car loans out there, and yeah. this is really, really interesting, especially the amount that people are financing. Yeah. That they were financing before COVID and now after COVID. Yeah, and and in terms of the average buy, it is now over uh, forty. It, it is now right at forty thousand, and the average buy, the average uh, purchase was right at thirty pre-COVID. Wow. So now, if you break it down then into new cars, uh, you're looking at above forty-five thousand. In fact, actually, it's forty-nine thousand dollars. Uh, right under fifty thousand dollars, the average cost of it, and that is a uh, the if you get into the if you break it down into non luxury versus luxury, then the non luxury is right at around forty five thousand, and then the luxury uh, vehicles are you know far above fifty on the average. But if you put all those together, luxury and non luxury, you come up with a new car purchase according to Cox Automotive. Uh, average of just under fifty thousand dollars. Then you add the the current rates. If people are financing a huge chunk of that, then you're you're looking at at massive car payments of I don't know what that would be a thousand twelve hundred a month, whatever it is, and depending on the term of the loan, how long it's going to be. Um, but it is staggering uh, to look at it. And some of the other, uh, in fact, some of the other media. 
uh, they use this this uh, this data that comes from Cox Automotive as they break down what goes on uh, with these loans, but also auto loan delinquency rates. And right now, uh, this goes back to early March. I think there may be an updated report uh, from early April. I was looking for it, wasn't able to find it. But as of March, delinquency rates on loans now rising uh, beyond the, and, and this is loans that are 60 or more days past due. In January of this year, year over year, they were up 20.4%. And so you look at that and, you know, the the Fisher Investments had a a post about this from their editorial staff going back to early March. Auto loans aren't likely to tank the economy. Well, I don't know if anybody was claiming they were going to tank the economy, but they're a strong indicator as to what's going on with the economy. Because, yeah, there is that cycle of, okay, uh, what happens with these uh, delinquent loans? If they don't work it out with the lender, then, well, they, they repossess the car. And then they take an auction, and then that car goes back in the marketplace. And, and, and so then you look at, all right, but why... Is it so hard to maintain the loan for so many people? Why are those rates up year over year? And keep in mind, they were rising before. I don't know. I don't have the January 22 numbers year over year uh, uh, in front of me. But they were rising uh, as we went throughout 22. And they were, you know, because of the, the whole COVID thing, you did see an increase in that. But if you look at an uh, at a pretty stellar increase of 20 over 20 percent these are loans that are past due by more by 60 days or more mm-hmm. then that's huge that i mean no that's, it is that's no, it massive is <clears throat> and so that's an indicator uh is it is that going to tank the economy well i i don't know anybody claiming that but it's an indication that the economy is getting worse especially as if it's accurate and it seems to be that that savings are being drawn down to nothing and if that is the case then you're looking at people running out of and we saw the the rate of uh rents dropping you add all these things together and they they point to a downturn in the economy and the question becomes okay then then what because a lot of the stuff that was um set up under the whole uh, COVID emergency relief thing, all that is, you know, over. Anything that wasn't over is ending at the end of this month. So a lot of stuff is basically phasing out and has been in recent months, in the first few months of this year, uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the food assistance program and everything else that they, you know, the mm-hmm. added expanded food assistance program went away and everything else and you're now you have people looking at okay what is it you know that i have left in my in my budget you and i've talked about where is that threshold where people go from the quiet quitter and say i don't want to work a second job um i don't even like working the full-time job so much but i'm not going to go out and get a second job 
there is a threshold that will come in where it's okay, I'm going to have to eat, so maybe I get a second job or a better job or whatever it is. You you there there will be that threshold, but you know, I don't know that and, we've reached that. I haven't seen any analysis on that. And I really wonder how long, you know, when you when you look at the car situation, because that's getting so expensive and new cars are just going to keep going oh, yeah. up and up in yeah. price. Yeah. I just wonder how many people are going to keep their cars uh, uh, longer. I mean, I because cars are you know better built than they were 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're just better built. And and I look at uh, the my my second vehicle that I have, which is, you know, to carry stuff around and all that turns next week (laughs) i think it was built on may 6th of uh of 2003 Mm -hmm. my vehicle my my old vehicle and it doesn't look old now it's in texas so there's no rust on it which is key i mean odds are this isn't you know that they they, it would have been gone what eight years ago probably Yeah. yeah uh you know if i had it up north but the fact is, you you know, if and and uh, when the last time and I'll be going into my dealership here, <laughs> I'm going into the dealership for both vehicles. But uh, I'm going to you know, celebrate the, the 20 years because it's the dealership that I bought it at. It's going to be 20 years uh, old. I, I wonder if they want to take a picture of it. And, you know, it, it's good marketing. I think sure. I think Al Bundy did that with his Dodge at one time. It was going to. Go over nine hundred ninety nine thousand miles, and everybody wanted to know, you know, uh, about it. And it was a publicity; he was going to get a new vehicle if he could document it going to a, a, a million. But I have about, I think I'm at uh, two hundred forty thousand. Yeah, and uh, I don't drive it a lot. I probably drive it less, you know, five thousand miles or less a year. Mm-hmm. But it's great to run around town in and pick up stuff. And you know, it's like I don't care about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the vehicle, but. It is a great vehicle. It drives fantastic. And I'm thinking to myself all the time, because Independent Bob told me, he said, you're to, you don't have to keep that car. You keep it around because you're just loyal to things. You don't want to let them go. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe you have a little point there. Mm. Uh, I do miss my old truck. I, well, I wish now that I wouldn't have traded it, it in. It, it is the first vehicle that I bought mm. that I really wanted in my life, mm-hmm. where I said, Wow. And I was actually doing a live broadcast for our flagship station, WBAP, at an auto dealership. Mm. I remember Don, who used to go on, Don, who had retired yeah. from Delta. Yeah, yeah. He pointed it out to me, said, look at this vehicle. This is a great vehicle. I remember looking at it and thinking, wow, this is so luxurious. You know, this is luxury, man. Mm-hmm. Personified. This is just great. I look at it now, and it's just so basic. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared yeah. to the modern cars today, mm-hmm. it still ha- it's got a cassette deck, and it has it has a cassette deck, and the uh, and and none of it works. I use the the you know the Bluetooth adapter to play my phone through it mm. if I drive it, and I drove it to work I think once this week. Mm. But it's a great vehicle. I mean, it just rides great. And I'm thinking to myself, I really when you think about now, I paid cash for it, so I mean, I've never had a, any debt on it mm-hmm. back in. 2003 mm-hmm. but when i think that i really haven't put a lot of money into it i really have not put a lot of money into the i've it's always been there i mean every time everything needs to be done it's done and i'm extremely proactive mm-hmm. you know they go yeah you're the only person we don't need to ask anything if it needs to be done you want it done and you know i know enough about cars to know they're never ripping me off on anything that they do 
Mm-hmm. And and so, but I haven't really, and I think about, remember, I don't know if it's the same. Remember, people used to be trading in their cars every three years. Yeah. Well, you're. I don't care whether you're leasing that, however you're doing it, you're paying big money to do that mm-hmm. over the long period of time rather than just taking the one hit. And if you spread it out over the period of time of the maintenance I've done on this particular vehicle, I wonder how many people are going to keep their cars 15 years. Well, I think. Or 10 years. That whatever increases the, you know, how much the average is going to go up, especially in more warmer climates of the United States. Well, the just the fact that affordability is, and that's one thing that Cox Automotive, they measure a lot of the metrics in, in auto financing and everything else, including affordability. And they look at, you know, like the average price of a loan recently in, in recent months, if you add it, was basically about a half of an, uh, a point interest added to, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the loan. And, but for a lot of people, it's, it's more. And so there's the question. If you've got the, if you have an income that allows you to, you know, buy a vehicle and it's really not a great, uh, consideration, I think there was, <laughs> It's an old story by Dave Ramsey where a guy called in who was talking about, hey, can I afford this car? And then Ramsey asked him, well, how much do you make? It's 800000 a year. Buy the car! <laughs> you know, and so, so, you know, it's, it's, there are, there are people, you know, that, that don't have that same consideration or, or for whatever reason, they just don't have the same expenditures. And so they can carve out a lot more, um, in, in, in their budget for a car. But most people, are, or I would say uh, it, it, for the average person, there's always great consideration. And it, and it's not just the emotional buy anymore because of inflation. No, it's got to be practical. You, you want, know, the, it, yeah. the, the prices have jumped so, so much and, and isn't that the, it's, you've yeah. got to, you know, you, certainly there are those features that you want for safety and everything else. Um, but you, you're also shopping for that bargain. And Everybody isn't, is. And isn't that why that makes electric vehicles more impractical? Yes, because of the process required for the charging. If you're not already right. set up for that, or living so- somewhere where that is amenable to your daily routine, then it's going to be a big step for you. Because, it's, but as the price, it's not, not just the price of right. the the vehicle itself, but also changing your routine and also the the price of maybe upgrading your your situation at home on your electricity what you need to charge it i guess my point is when it becomes more expensive then you want more you want and and more means more more. one means more convenience you expect you don't want hassle right if you have to pay that kind of money right for a vehicle you want you want quite possibly larger and evs right aren't you know the largest you want more practical. You want you want something more practical. You want something more for your money. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Okay, i got to read a couple of headlines from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> I, just, I was sitting there just the show's getting ready to end. I go, I oh, wonder how the Babylon Bee, what their headlines look like. Mm. All right, here we go. Fauci says he never locked anything down and has never heard of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Buttigieg announces closure of interstate system for 8 to 10 days as highways undergo racial sensitivity training. <laughs> Don Lemon to continue job of lecturing people as a Starbucks barista. <laughs> I saw that with the other. That's funny. <laughs> In an ominous threat to the, to the nation, Biden says he'll finish the job. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> But my 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 favorite probably just yeah. because it's so blunt. Yeah. Creepy old man says he thinks of your kids as his own. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, yeah. it's showing Biden making right. that statement. Right. Uh, I was trying to write a line for that when he's you know, and I thought, oh come on, there's something there with Creepy Joe. Well, of well, course they nailed it at the Babylon Bee. That sheet, uh, wow. Yeah. Got to be very careful there. That cheat sheet. Yes. <laughs> yesterday. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> that was, was mind-boggling yeah. because it shows, again, as we said, it shows basically, in my opinion, the L.A. Times reporter, you know, they asked beforehand, what mm-hmm. question are you going to ask? And we'll go to you. Yeah. That's mind-boggling to me. And But the, the thing that was really the most fascinating mm-hmm. was the details you could see of the photos, mm-hmm. in the photos, oh, yeah. of the actual cheat sheet that the president has. Mm-hmm. That's going to come back and bite him big time, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it will. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, "What is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 